Steph Curry for three. Bang. Oh, he sells sorry. <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. I got distracted. We got to do it again. We got to do it again. What's up, nerds? It's basketball. Welcome to Horse, a basketball podcast about everything except for the wins and losses. My name is Mike Schubert, and I'm joined by my trusted co-host, the not-missing-shots to R.J. Barrett in the first half of his first game. It's Adam Mumawala. Adam, how's it going? R.J. Barrett looking good, baby. It's going all right. He was looking very good in the first half, and then Alfred Payton, my biggest enemy, decided, what if we didn't pass the ball to the person who shot eight for eight and three for three from three-point land? What if I just decided to pass it to everyone else that isn't named R.J. Barrett on the team, which does feel like a bad strategy. It doesn't feel like a great strategy when someone literally hasn't missed in the season. Yeah, even for the newest of basketball fan listening, if you're not missing shots, that's good, and you should keep giving the person the ball at least until they miss. I would agree. I think <laughs> even in pickup basketball, you are allowed to keep shooting until you miss. That is the rule of the streets. Mm-hmm. Heat check is totally allowed. If you have not missed a shot, you can pull up from half court, and no one can no one can question it because if you haven't missed yet, who's to say that you won't make that half court shot? Who's to say that Obi Toppin won't accidentally bank in a three pointer? Who's to say? Did he? Yeah, he did. Oh man, he didn't have a great first game, but that's okay because he's the right young age of almost 23 so (laughs) Patrick Williams is 19 but we'll talk about that later we will talk about that later so before we talk about basketball-y things good bad and James Harden let's center ourselves in a little area that we like to call the Teal Memorial Locker Room Teal is loving that the NBA is back. Who isn't? Probably those people that, you know, the the Trump supporters on Twitter that have the the big glasses that they take a selfie in their car and that's their profile (laughs) picture. And every time LeBron tweets anything, they say something nasty in his replies about how he's a bad person, (laughs) even though he started a school. Oh, but he doesn't wear Oakleys like they do. So (laughs) I I had a pair of pretty embarrassing Oakleys looking back in seventh grade. I thought they were very cool. I had Folkleys. Those are fake Oakleys that I bought uh, during a a trip to New York. I bought them in Times Square and I felt so cool because my parents were like, "Okay, you can use the ten dollars and go like buy these fake Oakleys. And just being able to talk to a person selling fake things was quite a thrill. My sister and I both got them on a family vacation to Washington, D.C., I believe. And we got matching fake Oakleys and the logo rubbed off in like two days. So. And then you got a, a, a hoodie that said FBI with the acronym Female Body Inspector. Thankfully, I never <laughs> really dove into misogynistic uh, clothes. If you don't have some misogynistic <laughs> graphic tees, what are you doing? I think the answer is you're doing it right. I think you're right. <laughs> Uh, But you know who is doing it right? Could it be our new patron? It is our new patron. Our new patron, Jessica McCaskey. They are, in fact, doing it right, as well as the rest of our producer-level patrons, Polly Burridge, Kendra Hadley, Adam Hartwick, Salvatore Testa, Trust the Process, Catherine Lee, Siobhan Ellsbury, Shubidubidu, Godzilla Got Busy, Steph Curry for three. Bang! He sells seashells, LaRon James, Matt Barger, NBA legend Robert Sacri, No Jazz, No Pizza, Eileen Gazesh, Avatar Kiyoshi, and Don't Go Chasing Taco Falls. Thanks, everybody. Thank you so much, and thanks also also, to someone else, who do you think I'm about to thank, Adam? Uh, could it be our sponsor? It is our sponsor, and our sponsor is BetterHelp. BetterHelp is the world's largest counseling service. It's been a rough year for 
everyone, I'm pretty sure. So if you need to talk to someone, if something's interfering with your productivity, your happiness, or if you just want to get a mental health check-in, you could use BetterHelp. We talk about player health here in the NBA. We've talked about mental health being an important factor, especially with things like the bubble and the pandemic going on. And you wouldn't hesitate to go to a doctor for your physical health. You shouldn't hesitate for mental health as well. Totally agree. With BetterHelp, you can start communicating with a licensed professional in under 48 hours. And this is not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It's professional counseling done securely online. And what's nice about doing it online is that you can do it from the comfort of your own home. You can do it in sweatpants. You don't have to deal with an awkward waiting room. And you might be able to get access to someone that you wouldn't have access to otherwise locally because you are not limited to just whatever is available in your area. BetterHelp is available worldwide and you can get started today as a horse listener. If you go to betterhelp.com, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash horse, you can join the over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional and you'll get 10% off your first month. So again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash horse and you will get 10% off your first month and you can start talking to a licensed professional therapist about whatever's going on in your life today. Absolutely. And honestly, uh, this is not a self-help podcast or a podcast to help anybody else, but this has been not so fun of a year. So however you're doing, it's okay. I just want anybody who's listening to this, you're going to have good days. You're going to have terrible days. I've had them. I imagine Mike has had them. Yeah. You're doing fine. Definitely. And I also wanted to, in addition to thanking our patrons, thank a couple of our younger fans who have reached out via our website. I want to shout out uh, Abby and Ramona. Ramona is 12. Uh, Abby is in grade seven in Canada, which I don't know a lot about Canada. They might be 12. Uh, It's unclear to me, but either way, we love the kids. Thank you so much for enjoying our podcast. And also, we really enjoy hearing from you. It warms our hearts. It makes us feel good. And uh, we've gotten a, a number of messages from people saying, like, this year has been really hard. COVID has really sucked. Thank you for being a distraction and we are more than happy to do that so to anybody who has listened uh, as we record for the last time this year actually um thank you very much for uh, for doing that and uh, i i have enjoyed being a part of the horse family mm-hmm. and apologies to all the kids for the cursing that we do don't do it yeah fuck it <laughs> <laughs> so with all that taken care of we can get into the first official segment of the show full court press get it like the news wait 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 i forgot Oh, no, 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 I get it. Aha, a Christmas miracle. (laughs) So there is a big piece of news that I think we should just get out of the way, and that is James Harden being the grumpiest of boys. I think he's reached peak grumpy boy status. He's transcended grumpy boy status now. He's just dangerous man status. It's gone beyond being upset. He's at the point where he's endangering his fellow teammates. His team can't play games because of him. A lot going on here. So we've already talked a little bit about the James Harden situation, but he doesn't want to be on the Houston Rockets. And he is showing that disdain for his current team and his frustrations at not being traded already by acting out. And he missed some preseason practices. But now we're recording this on December 24th. And on December 23rd, there were videos going around. Not exactly sure when those videos were filmed, but but it showed James Harden at what appears to be a stripping-based establishment, not wearing a mask. No one is wearing masks. Not everyone's wearing clothes. There's dollar bills all over the floor. And he was there celebrating what looked like a birthday party or something. And he was given lots of flack because obviously this violates COVID protocols. And James Harden took to Instagram to defend himself. And much like Kyrie Irving, it didn't make a lot of sense and it didn't look great. James Harden said, quote, One thing after another, I went to show love to my homegirl at her event, and then in parentheses, not a strip club, which is always good when you have to clarify that. That makes it very believable because she is becoming a boss and putting her people in position of success. And now it's a problem. Every day, it's something different. No matter how many times people try to drag my name under, you can't. 
the real always end on top. I don't even know what to say about it. It's it's so frustrating, and I feel like it's so representative of what this country has done wrong. Like it, mm-hmm. James Harden is a microcosm of what our response to COVID has been. And the thing about it is he's endangering his teammates, but the whole way the virus works, which people keep forgetting apparently, is that you're also endangering a bunch of people you don't know. And I think that's the thing about it, is that these guys feel invincible. And the truth is, most athletes and and people even our age who are young and and healthy are not the ones most at risk. But by infecting those around you, you are putting other people at risk. And also, I'm sure you've heard this news story that Florida basketball player Keontae Johnson, who collapsed on the court and was in a medically induced coma, they believe that what happened with his heart was related to him having COVID earlier this year. And he's a college age kid. So like, stop messing around with this. Yeah, what's frustrating with this quote-unquote apology, clarification, whatever, from James is that, yes, there was outrage that he was at what appeared to be a strip club, but that's not the main reason we're upset, James. It's that you're just blatantly violating COVID protocols. In all these videos, no one is wearing a mask, and there's tons of people at this indoor place. And what eventually ended up happening yesterday on the 23rd, his game against the Oklahoma City Thunder, Rockets vs. Thunder, got postponed because so many players on the Rockets had to be held off for COVID protocols. Now, it wasn't clear whether or not people tested positive, but there was enough of a COVID scare that they weren't going to let a bunch of players play. And so many had to be held back that they couldn't play a game of basketball. Well, it's just incredibly tone deaf. And first of all, his apology is not an apology. His apology is the classic, like, sorry that you're judging me. And also it wasn't a strip club. Yeah, that's not, well, exactly. (laughs) To be like, hey, 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 hey. It wasn't a strip club. We just had strippers to a different indoor event that was private. (laughs) The strip club was not why we were upset. It's the indoors without masks. Honestly, if there were a bunch of naked people with masks, I don't even think I would care about it. It's uh, it, it's really frustrating, and I can't even imagine what it would be like to be one of his teammates, because not only do you have the fear of maybe getting COVID, but also you don't get to play basketball. John Wall hasn't played an official professional game of NBA basketball in two years, and his season opener got delayed because James Harden didn't want to be in the Rockets and wanted to party. It, it's... The Rockets also have a, a fine team. So I don't get why he's so upset and like so insistent on not being able to play. The Rockets aren't bad. It's not like he's on the worst team in the league. It's not like he's on, I don't know, the New York Knicks, for example. He's on the Rockets. They're fine. And it's it's just frustrating to see someone, like it's one thing to act out and be grumpy and upset, but when you actually start endangering people, that's when it crosses the line. And the NBA fined him $50,000, which is chump change to him. But because of COVID, he'll probably miss a bunch of games. He won't get paid for those. But I would hope that the NBA, I guess they're not going to, but I would hope the NBA is stricter about this because you can't have people doing stuff like this. Yeah, the Will thing, okay, sure. It was pre-bubble started, but this is like the day before the season or the day of the season starting. The, The season had already begun. There was already a set of games. You can't let this stuff fly. Well, and I'm already looking at a headline right now that's saying sources say Harden is available versus Blazers if he's negative. So it's like, where is the punishment then if he's like immediately allowed to play and the only thing he gets is a slap on the wrist? How does that de-incentivize him from doing this. And man alive, I mean, the Thunder, they were the team involved in that game against the Jazz when the world stopped. And now it's kind of interesting that we're on the other end of this to some degree. Certainly not the other end of COVID, but I'm saying the end of last season, kind of, and the beginning Mm -hmm. of this season, and they're involved again. 
Look, I'm sympathetic to the fact that part of what's awesome about being a professional athlete is that there's a lot of other shit that comes with it. And you get to do really fun things and you have like access to things that most normal people who aren't millionaire athletes have, but you can't be this selfish. You just can't. And I'm afraid that we're gonna run into this with a lot more people than James Harden. In the bubble, and we were joking about it when we talked to Jordan Liggins about that tweet about like, you know, ordinarily Tyler Hero would be out partying, but instead he's eating a <laughs> Nature Valley granola bar. Like, that's not the case anymore because now it's almost like the honor system is in place. So <sighs> it just, it's, it's concerning. Yeah, we would hope that this doesn't happen anymore. And I feel bad for Rockets fans. I have many a friend uh, from Houston that is frustrated with the whole situation. And it, it's just getting ugly and it's beyond ugly into, like you said, at the top of this dangerous. So hopefully this is the only type of issue that happens and we can have the rest of the season go off without a hitch, but not a good omen when it's day two and games are being postponed. No, it's absolutely not a good omen. And uh, our, our buddy Chris Chan, shout out Chris Chan, who is a big Rockets fan. <laughs> he sent us a tweet that said, of all people, one would think James Harden would be able to stay in isolation. Mm -hmm. Big isolation offense basketball player should be familiar with being in isolation. You would hope it would translate, but apparently it hasn't. Apparently it does not. And also this is like the second problematic thing that James Harden has done this year. Uh, earlier he was wearing a mask that's a big like, what, what was the, do you remember what I'm talking about? It was the thin blue line. It's the thing that's supposed to show support for the police, but you've tainted the American flag into, I don't, I, I will never get it. Their whole, their whole thing is they're obsessed, these, these types of people, they're obsessed with the flag, but then they do this thing where you like Photoshop a blue line into the middle of the flag. So you're like messing with the flag. I don't get it. But he was wearing basically like a blue lives matter equivalent of a mask to the bubble. And he just didn't realize it and said, oh, oops, I just thought it looked cool because it had like the Punisher logo or whatever on it. That one, I don't think he was intentionally doing that, but it does show that like he's just not aware and I don't think he understands the repercussions of, of what's going on. You have to be aware of stuff and you would think, oh, maybe I shouldn't go to a establishment that has strippers in it uh, indoors where no one's wearing masks before the NBA season starts. I would tend to agree. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about something happier now. There is much basketball to happen, but we're recording this on Christmas Eve, December 24th, and we are now going to ridiculously overreact to one game of basketball for each of our respective teams, as well as some of the other players across the league. Whoa, 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 whoa. I thought you said <laughs> we were going to go on to happier things. <laughs> oh, sorry. I even though the Knicks lost, I'm very excited about future most improved player slash MVP slash all-star, you know, slash three-point shooting contest champion RJ Barrett. Yeah, the Bulls wasn't so good, was it? I mean, you tell me. I'm not, I don't know a ton about the NBA, but is <laughs> is giving up 83 points in the first half good or, or not good? It seems like a lot of points. And unless you have scored more than 83 points in the half, I would say it's bad. Right, 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 right. Spending most <laughs> of the game being down 40 points and then losing by 20 because you got some garbage time points. Not great. Not a great opening game. Patrick Williams is looking good, though. And that's nice. You like to see that. And I do like Kobe White's new hair. He does look cool with the new hair. I think it's a better look than his giant mop of a fro that not even on looks, but I will never understand just playing with that much hair. It feels challenging. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I, I always feel that way about football players who have 
big hair because how do you how is the helmet even comfortable and, and especially because it is legal to tackle someone by their hair that's it true. is not a penalty so it feels like you would not want to have anything that people could grab right and and for anybody who's a casual basketball fan it is not legal to do that in basketball if you're if you're playing <laughs> pick up basketball uh, after everyone's vaccinated do not pull people down by their hair you will start a brawl <laughs> now on a bad hair situation for the bulls though ryan archie diacono oh who is boy a, is a white boy has uh He's got a really bad man bun ponytail. It wasn't good because it like wasn't long enough to be in a real ponytail. So it just looks very alfalfa sprouty, chia pet, uh, cabbage patch kid. It's not a good look. <laughs> I don't love it. What are your thoughts on Steph Curry's cornrows? I like them. I kind of like them too. I didn't think I would. I like the shape of them. They they look, and obviously we'll put a photo to this on the website, on the episode page of horsehoops.com, but it, it spreads out. I like that they don't just go straight. It's like a sunrise deal where they, they go out. I think it looks really nice. Yeah. I also, not that I think they look nice, but I did notice this and I saw it show up on Twitter. Did you notice that Kawhi's looks like there was a menorah braided into his forehead? No, but I like it. Maybe, I mean, Hanukkah was going on at the time, so maybe he's saying happy Hanukkah. I feel like a, a braid watch is in order. Paul George's look pretty good. I do find it interesting hairstyles going in and out of style because there was a very long time in the mid to late 2000s where Kawhi Leonard was the only player in the league with braids and now braids are back in fashion and a bunch of dudes have them and some look great. I think Steph's are solid. I'm getting a little inspiration for a future three-on-three three best and worst hairstyles <laughs> in the history of the NBA. You know, we've done facial hair. I don't know if we've done straight up regular hair, so Ooh, it could be due. It could nice. be due. But to fully overreact to both of our teams, the Knicks, RJ Barrett came out first half, eight out of eight which is good. Three out of three from three, which is good. He shot five of seven from the free throw line, which was his big downfall earlier. So he's better at the things he was worse at. He's playing very well. And I was very happy to see it. And then unfortunately, he just has these teammates that don't like to pass the ball in Julius Randle and Alfred Payton. And that's not good. So that was frustrating to see us do very well in the first half and then not very well in the second half. Yeah. And the thing that's especially frustrating, I'm sure, is that RJ Barrett played extremely well in the first half. And then the Knicks, I think, collectively shot like 30% in the second half. And yeah, ended up good. losing by what, 14? Uh, yes, it, it was bad. We got some garbage time buckets, but we we ended up going down by like 16 with a couple minutes left. And then that was just the game. It was really disappointing. I mean, it was fun to watch for the beginning. It was sad because our rookie Emmanuel quickly got hurt pretty early on in the game. He was doing really well and then it got hurt, which was sad. But it was very fun to watch the game with Mike Breen and Clyde Frazier announcing. Always good to have those two guys going on. Bang! <laughs> it was fun to have the two of them announce, but it was funny just to, a humor moment where Mike Breen was talking about Alfred Payton, our starting point guard, and while he was dribbling and he had a turnover, he said, you know, Alfred Payton does struggle with his handle a bit, and he is a point guard, so that's not ideal. It would be like for our podcast if it was like, yeah, you know, Mike Schubert does struggle with talking a bit. <laughs> That does make me think, though, uh, hearing you use the word handle, has Walt already used, what handle by Randall? I don't think he's been able to use it because Julius Randall doesn't dribble the ball very Correct. well. I don't know if he's called him dubious handles yet, but he should because that's a big Nick's Twitter, Nick's Reddit, is anytime Julius Randall turns the ball over instead of Julius Randall, he becomes dubious handles. I like that <laughs> quite a bit. Well, and also, to be fair... Victor Oladipo and Donatus Sabonis are very, very good. <sighs> Sabonis destroyed us. And Brogdon is good. Like, the Pacers are not a bad team by any stretch of the imagination. No, it was pretty solid. Sabonis played very well, and there was a fun point where Doug McDermott 
on the Indiana Pacers was accidentally called Doug McDonald by Clyde Frazier. And I think it's better. Doug McDonald's would be better. You could get a sponsorship deal out of it, Doug. To be fair, though, the Pacers do have a bunch of mix. They've got McDermott and McConnell. I would love for them to trade for CJ McCollum to just get as many mix as they can mm-hmm. in the mix. Mix in the mix. Yeah. They also have three players named TJ and two players with the last name Holiday who are brothers. And I will appreciate in the Pacers arena, they had a happy holidays message and it was by the two holidays Justin and Aaron that are on the team. So I feel like the Pacers need to go for max confusion. They need to get every TJ, every Mick, every holiday, bring some PJs in the mix. Don't take my beloved boy, RJ Barrett, but if they just go for peak name confusion, maybe that would make defenses very confused about who to guard. They get both of the Morris twins. Like they get every twin, every TJ, every Mick, every holiday. (laughs) I thought you were saying there was an actual player named Max Confusion, because if he exists, I would love for him to be on the Pacers. I was pretty good. That feels like a really good name for an NBA 2K creative player, Max Confusion. <laughs> he could be teammates with the Lobster Bisquay. <laughs> Max Confusion is what I call the Bulls defensive schemes based on one game. Mm, yes, 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 yes. Yeah, we're slowly building the horse roster of created players. We've got Max Confusion, Lobster Bisquay, and Cash Considerations. We almost have a full starting five. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> what was the name of your creative player with the uh, long hair? With the long hair? Oh, Leroy McKnight. Leroy McKnight. <laughs> mm-hmm. Hey, McKnight. <gasps> he, he should be on the Pacers. Oh. <laughs> Only final note to wrap up here before we get into our next very special segment is that we are both in a fantasy basketball league together. You roped me in. It's the first time in, I think, five years that I've done a good on-purpose fantasy basketball league. I've done my bad on-purpose one for many years, but this is a good on-purpose league. I feel good about my team, though I am needlessly stressing over about pretend basketball and making roster moves into the early hours of the morning. How are you feeling about your team, your draft, who are your star players? Just real quick. I'm sure we'll talk about it bragging throughout the season. Yeah. But uh, let's let's give the people an early taste of our fantasy duels that we will have. I mean, right now I'm losing in my matchup to your nemesis who drafted RJ Barrett right before you were going to take him. I was one pick away. <laughs> First of all, what is your team name? Let's start with that. My team name is J Parrot, and I did Photoshop, and by Photoshop I mean Microsoft Paint, a RJ Barrett photo where he is smiling and I put an eye patch on him and a little parrot on his shoulder. I like that quite <laughs> a bit. Uh, I appreciate the effort. And it's also interesting that there's another team in our league that has an OB Toppin reference. I wouldn't have expected mm-hmm. that. But my friend Justin, the uh, aforementioned Lakers fan, uh, has gone with Toppin's a bag, which is pretty good. Mm-hmm. Toppin's, Toppin's, Toppin's a bag. And your team? My team is, I took that personally. That's good. Which is a last dance reference. I feel like you got it. You have to change your your logo to the photo of Michael Jordan. Oh, you are absolutely you gotta right. you got to make that happen. I think it'll just be him <laughs> laughing at an iPad. <laughs> That'd be very, very good. But yeah, who's on your team? Who are you feeling good about? My number one pick was Giannis Antetokounmpo. Um, I mm-hmm. also have Russell Westbrook, who had a triple-double yesterday. Huge. Andre Drummond had a really strong game. I drafted my boy Tyler Hero. Drew Holiday. The only bull that I have is Wendell Carter. So I was, I think I'm most bummed about that <laughs> because it was like kind of like you. I was like about to draft Lowry Markinen. Then he got picked right before I drafted him. I was about to draft Zach Levine. He actually went pretty high. So I don't know. I, I haven't done fantasy basketball in a long time, and there's so many different stats that it's a little confusing because like I'm picking just mm-hmm. based on like guys I like and people who are good, but that's not necessarily <laughs> what wins you fantasy leagues. Yeah, you did take Derrick Rose pretty early, and by early, I mean at all. <laughs> I mean, look, 
<laughs> is he problematic? Sure. Do I have a soft spot for him based on how much I love that Bulls team? Yes. Probably that's wrong, but I did draft Derrick Rose. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for me, I decided if I'm going to play fantasy basketball, I'm going to pick players that are only good at fantasy basketball, not necessarily good at real basketball. So some of my earliest picks were Carl Anthony Towns, Devin Booker, and Colin Sexton. So I've gone all in on, I, I firmly believe that fantasy basketball does not necessarily represent winning basketball. No, so not at all. I've gone, I've gone for some stat-heavy boys, and I took some upside picks. I, I took a gamble on Killian Hayes, the new rookie for the Pistons. Unfortunately, that led to me not being able to get RJ Barrett. I thought I was going to be able to get him with the next pick, but I was not sneaky enough. I got JJ Redick, which I was really excited about because Yahoo, for some reason, rated him very low. So I got him with my second to last pick, which is bananas. I've got I've got a fun little team. I've put Jaron Jackson Jr. on my injury reserve. I like him a lot, but he's going to miss a couple months. So I'm just kind of parking him for now. And I've already made a bunch of uh, late night moves trying to bolster out my roster. I had Emmanuel quickly on the team for one day and then he got injured. So I dropped him and maybe I'll snag him again later. But much like you not having a lot of bulls, I currently have no Knicks, which probably is good. Sounds like a winning fantasy formula. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the funny thing about it is that in our league, you're allowed to add four players from the waiver wire per week. And unsurprisingly, Shubes has already added all four within like the first 48 hours. Yep. You know, this is how I, I consistently in my bad on purpose fantasy basketball league, I've led the league in transactions every single year. That will happen for this league. Uh, spoiler alert. It's going to happen. I'm going to hit those four every single week. Well, it's just it's funny to me because when I asked you if you want to do it, you're like, ah, I don't know. Like, I should have known that I couldn't trust you when you were like, oh, yeah, this will be one that I like take casually and like don't think that much about. Now you're thinking about it constantly. And I love it. That's why I said no was I was like, oh, man, I'm going to put a lot of work into this. And you know what? It's fine and it's okay and I'll have to just set maybe I'll finally use those things where it's like you go in Google Chrome and you say don't let me go on this website for more than X amount of minutes a day I should do that for this because I'll just be way too in the weeds of like who's going to score more points like I was severely researching Patrick Williams versus Isaac Okoro last night at two in the morning Hey, what else are you going to do? I mean, we might as well. <laughs> what are we going to do, sleep? She's been playing it cool, but my friend James's wife, Christina, big time Potterless fan. So she's pretty psyched <gasps> that you're in the league. Oh, nice. She's got a good team. She made some really good picks. I think she uh, in, at least once took someone that I really wanted to snag. So I was enraged, but in a respect way of like, oh, wow, Christina's team. Respect to Christina. Well, before we wrap this segment up, I do have to read. So my friend James, who was running the league, he sent out some preliminary information that included a brief description of everyone in the fantasy league. So I think it would only be right to share his descriptions of us. Yes, I felt immediately much better about joining this league once I got this email. I was like, okay, this is a good group of humans. I'm stoked. Oh yeah, it's pretty great. So this is mostly like my friends from college and their spouses and and then my friend James's dad and brother. So it's a good group. And also somebody who we used to play uh, rec basketball with at the college I went to, the College of New Jersey. So the (laughs) description for Mike Schubert, Adam's friend and co-host. I mean, really, I'm your co-host, but I'll take it. We're co-hosts with each other. Exactly, exactly. May possess actual basketball knowledge as he hosts a legit official basketball podcast. Highly recommended. Thank you, James. Also host of a mildly successful Harry Potter podcast. If he doesn't win this league, it'll be because of us meddling kids. Pretty great. Two sentences referenced all three of my podcasts. Incredible efficiency. That's some uh, RJ Barrett level efficiency right there. Hey. Yeah, that's my one Knicks compliment for the year. Now I'm done. And for me, Adam Amawala, college housemate slash teammate, high power slash medium accuracy backhand, decent sense of humor, signs headshots upon request. That is true. 
Cruise ship basketball MVP. Never told you about that, but I will. Chicago fan, uh, potential subsequent mood swings slash wall reorganization. So to give you a quick explanation of that, uh, we went on a cruise our senior year of college. Uh, don't go on a cruise ever again, by the way. Sorry, cruise industry, but don't do that. But I played maybe the best I've ever played in flip-flops on a cruise. <laughs> like I was like crossing people over. I had people like falling. I don't know what was happening, but it's the best basketball I've ever played in my life. On one of those like, <laughs> you know those courts that are like made of plastic and have like slats oh, in yes. them so that like water and sand goes yes. through. Yeah, it'll tear up your knee if you fall on them. And after the Cubs lost a playoff game in 2008, I punched a hole in the wall in our college house. And oh, no. rather than fix it, I printed out a picture of my own face and just put it over the hole in the wall. And it stayed there for the rest of the time we lived in the house until we fixed it before we moved out. Did someone request that you sign it? Because then that would have also checked the uh, headshot signature No, box no. Uh, <laughs> many years ago at a birthday party uh, for myself, I got a little too saucy and uh, brought out some headshots. Or so I think somebody like found them in my room and brought them out and I started signing them for people. And it is... <laughs> Just completely incoherent messages. <laughs> Full on gibberish. I bet Walt Frazier might as well have signed them. <laughs> Well, hopefully one day we can find one of those headshots. But yes, I'm very excited for a recurring segment where we talk trash about our fantasy teams throughout future episodes of Horse. But that will wrap up our extended full court press and we will cut to a very special three and three draft that we recorded many moons ago, but we kept on ice because we had good interviews and good drama drafts and stuff that went longer, but for good reason. So if we say anything outdated, it's because this was recorded in early November, but Adam and I will be doing a very fun three on three draft, which we will put in now. Wow. One, two, three, three, two, one, three on three. We have prepared a three on three draft, one that we're kind of going to the roots of the pod, especially the roots of the podcast's name, in that this three on three draft is our favorite games that are basketball, but not really. So this, we decided to have a very loose definition. It could be a real basketball thing, like a horse or a knockout, or it could be video game variety or whatever. We're getting loose with it. So uh, I'm excited to talk about things related to the namesake of our podcast. Me too. Now, I think for the Sue Bird draft, I went first, so I believe it's only fair that you should go first for this one. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that, making me not have to lose rock, paper, scissors for, I think, the 12th time on my career of horse. I'm very, I've learned I'm very bad at it. I mean, if that is how we do it, I'm I'm happy to do an RPS. That's, that's how we do it, so let's do it. You got to give the people what they want, and it's me okay. losing a rock, paper, right. scissors. Here we go. Rock, rock paper, paper, scissors, shoot. shoot. Oh, both three scissors. Okay. Rock, rock paper, scissors, shoot. shoot. Oh, I oh, scissors to the paper. I finally won. Wow, that's a big day. The basketball gods shine upon me with favor as I get to make my first draft pick, which I think is a highly contested one, so I'm glad I got to go first. I love knockout, man. I think knockout's great. I see no qualms with it. It's perfect for all ages, and it's just stress the game, and I enjoy it. Disrespecting horse by yeah. not choosing horse number one overall. Wow. I enjoy horse, but I... I enjoy Knockout more. Knockout is great. And also, knowing what I know about your competitiveness, I have to imagine that Knockout gets pretty intense. Oh, certainly. Certainly, certainly. So Knockout, which I'm sure will have a lot of different names other places. I don't know if it's just a Northeast name, but I'm excited to see if people are like, oh, we called that whatever. We call that Floopsy Floopsy. Oh, <laughs> that, that would be British. They'd be like, Knockout? We call it Flimsy Whimsy. <laughs> 
So in Northeast America, <laughs> knockout, you have a line of people and two basketballs. Either you will play starting at the free throw line or the three-point line traditionally. The first player with the ball will shoot. If they make their free throw, they are safe, and then they get to give the ball to the next person in line. They go to the back of the line. But if they miss, they then have to try to make a shot from anywhere before the person behind them gets to make the shot. So you could have a situation where I'm up first, I shoot a free throw, I miss, Adam is right behind me. Now that I finish my shot, he gets to start his. If he makes his free throw before I make a basket, I am out. I've been knocked out, as the title suggests. But if I am able to get the rebound and make a layup before Adam makes his free throw, I am safe. Adam is still safe too. I give the ball to the person who is behind Adam. And now Adam is in the hot seat. He has to make his shot before person number three goes. And then you just keep going until no one remains but one sole victor. Now, God forbid you play this at a playground with those brutal double rims because Oof. the ricochet oh. of that ball, if you miss it, you will be running to a different playground. That's the thing with knockout is that it doesn't always come down to being the best basketball player. And that's what makes it, I think, the most fun when you play it at a basketball camp or when you were on a team in middle school. Even if you're really bad at basketball, you can still win at knockout because I could be the best free throw shooter or three point shooter out there. But if I just happen to miss in a way where it hits off the rim and just bounces very far away and you miss it atrociously, but the ball comes right back to you, you have a way better shot of knocking me out. So that's what makes it fun is that unless you're going to make every single one of your first shots, you're always at risk. And right. it's just fun to have a game where no one is safe. Now, what do you feel is the etiquette around the person behind you shooting like immediately as you shoot? Because that always annoyed me. Ah, I have always been a fan of you have to wait until it hits the rim. So similar to the rules in basketball with a foul shot where you can't go into the lane until mm -hmm. the ball hits the rim or the backboard or something that is what I like to do for knockout because it's no fun when someone shoots and then you immediately shoot right after them and then it's like miss make and then that's it. Or right. if like the balls collide in midair being a risk, etc. I'm also a big fan of if free throws get too easy where people are making a lot of free throws, you eventually move back to the three-point line or if you're good enough just starting at the three-point line to start the game. My absolute favorite thing is if I'm ahead of someone and I miss and then they miss too but my ball has gone really far away is to shoot like a 30 footer to stay oh, in the yeah. game like when you mm -hmm. they're about to go in for a layup to knock you out and you just launch a ball from way beyond the three-point line and it goes in there's no better feeling yep. than staying alive in that way it's very good or doing the desperation of you're really far away and they're about to shoot a layup and you don't think you can make the shot but you just try to knock their ball out of the air oh, like you yeah. just throw it to try yeah. to climb it can get very contentious and i usually have a, a no allowance of this where you can't like hold on to a ball and if someone misses the shot like bonk it way down like that is rude no no messing with the other person's ball in that regard. But if the balls are in midair, everything's fair game. So I do love you're about to make a layup and I just <laughs> chuck the ball yeah. to try to collide so that you'll miss. It's always a good time. So that's my first pick, knockout. All right, for my first pick, I am not going to go with horse. I know it's okay. controversial for neither of us to have picked horse number one overall. I am going with the mini rim dunk contest. Ooh, now, very good. For this one, I am including both like the cheap plastic rims that you would hang over a door and also lowering a hoop in your driveway. Yeah, 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 that's really good. So for anyone who has played basketball at just about any level, there is a common goal shared amongst everyone, which is I wish I could dunk. Yep, that is a yep, universal yep. truth. I trained for two years when I lived in Seattle to try to dunk and I never achieved the goal, but I did get incredibly good at squats and my 
butt guy. Huge. So still good things. <laughs> well, they always have those links on basketball highlight videos that are like, we'll improve your vertical eight inches Ugh. in just one week. And it's like, no, you won't. Yeah, no, you won't. You really won't. The, the problem was that I started training a lot. I would just squat all of the time because I lived alone in Seattle and my girlfriend at the time was long distance. So I had a lot of free time on my hands, especially with the time zone situation. But uh, eventually I started playing basketball and I was having more fun playing basketball with the group of guys that I did than going to the gym all the time. So I just kind of traded out squats for basketball. So I didn't end up dunking, but I did get a lot better at basketball and the stronger legs helped. So I think it was a win-win. Yeah, I think the closest I got was sometime in college. I definitely dunked a tennis ball. Hell yeah. <laughs> I think I may have gotten to the point where I dunked like a mini ball, like those ones you win at Six Flags or whatever. Mm -hmm. Never, never quite got to the actual ball. But yeah, I mean, dunking is one of those things that it just, it feels like the pinnacle of athleticism. You know, you watch any sport and if if you're someone like me, you're like, man, I just want to know what it feels like to hit a baseball 500 feet just like once in my life. Like, I want to know what that mm -hmm. feels like. I want to know what it feels like to dunk. I want to know what it feels like to run as fast as Usain Bolt. It's like this thing that feels kind of unachievable that just you imagine would be the best feeling in the world. Mm -hmm. So what I like about the mini rim dunk contest is that creativity is key. Like you can be athletic, mm -hmm. but if you're not really doing anything interesting, it doesn't matter that much. So when I would do this with my friends, I, as someone who was just obsessed with basketball and had seen all of the dunk contests, would always come up with these really creative things where even if somebody else was more athletic than me, I would do something that looked cooler because I was doing some, you know, wonky off the backboard between the legs sort of thing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Now I would be remiss if I didn't hearken back to my, that actually happened about Gerald Green, who did in fact lose a finger dunking on a mini right, rim. Right, right, right. But it's still a hell of a lot safer than, you know, pool basketball, which we may get to. Ooh, Who knows? Ooh. I don't want to tease it. We might. <laughs> but yeah, it's like some of my fondest memories growing up is just lowering the rim to a ridiculously low point where you can basically, dunk. you're like taco fall. Like you can basically just like reach your arm up and dunk. But if you're a kid who can jump only six inches, it really helps uh, <laughs> helps the process. And we, I remember we like filmed it at one point. We got really official where like oh, all the kids yeah. in my neighborhood were, um, we had like little scorecards we held up, like we were judging a real dunk contest. I also, within the past year, did a drunk dunk contest, which I wouldn't recommend. A drunk contest? A drunk contest. <laughs> we did a drunk dunk contest all-star weekend. Really one of the last times that people were hanging out before it became illegal. Yep. So in February of this year with my friend James and, uh, and Lee and Will, and we did a dunk contest on a little rim that he had hanging on his wall. My friend James has since had ankle surgery. <gasps> oh no! <laughs> uh, yeah, my, my friend James has since had, I believe, foot surgery and it's not only because of that night but it definitely contributed. <laughs> what a way to earn the injury. Totally. I can't think of a better way to get it. It's worth it. And if we can find a mini rim you and I and a vaccine, uh, I would love to mm -hmm. film that and put it up on the horse website at some point. Very, very down for this. So I'm going to move on to my second pick and I was I was between a lot of these different options. I considered horse, I considered pool basketball, but ultimately I went with one that just had a lot of childhood memories for me. And that was 21. I, li I liked 21 a lot. I liked it more when I was a kid than I do as an adult. I think it's not as much fun now. But what I appreciate most about 21 is that it gives you a way to play basketball if you have just three people. And I think that's very important because if you have two people, one-on-one -on -one is very easy. If you have four people, two-on-two -two is very easy. Three can get very awkward. And rather than switch out one-on-one -on -one where someone is sitting or or whatever, having a game where you can play with three people 
is nice to have. So I appreciate 21 existing for that. 21 is one of those games where it's like everyone's house rules are different. It's like beer pong where no one can agree. But the rules that I've always understood for 21 is you would shoot a free throw or a three pointer, depending on skill level. Starts by shooting a free throw. You are able to make, I believe, two of them. If you make both, then you have to take the ball at like the top of the key or half court or wherever you're saying the starting point is, and you have to try to score a basket. Now, it's hard for that person because Traditionally, you're playing with three people, so it's like a one on two. But if you are able to score, you would get either two points or three points. And then again, you have earned the opportunity to get free throws. So you make them both, you get the ball back at the top. If you miss it and the other person gets a rebound, they can bring the ball to the starting point, like check it at half court, and then they get the opportunity to try to score. And then first one to get to 21 wins. Now, did you play where if somebody rebounded it in midair and put it back in, you go down to zero. See, I've played a lot with stuff like that. I never enjoyed that kind of stuff because that was not as much fun to me. Like I wanted it just to be as close to playing normal basketball as you could. So yeah, the things where it was like, someone misses a shot, you jump in midair, you catch it and do a putback. Oh, I get two points and now you're down to zero. There's all the funky rules of like, if you go over 21, how much penalty do you go? I always do think that's fun in any game where you have to try to get to 21, like cornhole or whatever. Right. I think that's always a good time, but it can get tricky with people's little house rules. And I think that's where I start to get a little uncomfortable. So I like 21 if you can agree on rules that aren't gross. And if you play with people who actually play defense, because all it takes is one person not playing defense to totally ruin the integrity of the game. Well, exactly. And that's the problem, especially with tap-ins, is that then it almost de-incentivizes you Right. from being the person who's playing good defense because you don't get rewarded mm -hmm. for it. You, as the person guarding the human with the ball, does not get rewarded for your good defense because the other person's just dawdling around behind you getting the rebound that you earned by causing someone to miss a shot. Mm -hmm. So I enjoy 21, but I will put on many heavy caveats that in order for it to be enjoyable, you have to have a good group of friends that agree on a good group of rules because I have played 21 at like a 24 hour fitness or something just with some random strangers and it got ugly very quickly. And uh, yeah. I, I I left the situation because everyone was getting mad at each other and I was like, I'm going to leave. I'm <laughs> removing myself from this. <laughs> well, it's good of you to have realized that that was the move. <laughs> So for my second pick, I am going to go with Papa Shot. Oh, classic. Now, classic. I'm not a big casino guy, but anything that's loud and makes noises when you're good at it is inherently more fun. <laughs> it's like a slot machine, but way more satisfying. But Papa Shot, I'm sure most of you have heard of it, but if you have not, it is usually at an arcade. Uh, it's usually very sticky and not COVID friendly. I would not recommend it right now unless you own a Papa Shot in your home. But you are playing next to somebody. It's like separated by a barrier and you are just firing up as many mini basketballs as you can trying to get the high score or beat your opponent. And there's something about the frantic energy involved that makes it very mm -hmm. compelling. And also like riding the hot streak once you get that perfect calibration, because it always starts out where you're like, I don't oh, really yeah. have the feel for it yet, especially if you're somebody who plays basketball and you're trying to shoot it like an actual basketball backspin. Like that's not the approach. You have to kind of shot right. put it in there. But once you get it and you get in that rhythm where you're just hitting shot after shot after shot, it is like an NBA three-point contest for people who are not good at basketball. Like that satisfaction <laughs> of like seeing the ball go in again and again and again is, is pretty great. It is wonderful. And you are absolutely right in that the calibration is necessary because there's no set defined, I'm sure some people have very high standards, but like there's no like one size of Papa Shot. Sometimes you'll have balls that are the size of your hand. Sometimes you'll have ones that are the size of like 
28.5 balls. Like, Either way, they're always sticky. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just like, you'll have different sizes of balls. You'll have different sizes of rims. There'll be differences in how far away it is. Some of them move up and down. Some of them, the scoring system is different. Like so much of Papa Shot is just figuring out like, okay, how does this one work? And then you get the hang of it of like, oh, I should bank into every single one right. or whatever. Like no two Papa Shots are alike, much like a snowflake. So <laughs> it's it's uh, important to get a feel for the shots that you will be popping. And there's always that one point where one of your shots gets like, crammed in between the rim and the oh. wall. Yeah, that'll completely derail around. And then you're down one ball. That's also a factor is like the number of balls is like, do I just throw frantic style or are there only three balls in this machine to where I should like actually care? Because right. I, I did one in my friend's work where it was like one of the really small balls and they were like, 10 balls in the thing. So I was just throwing and not even looking. Like, I wasn't even looking at the rim. I was just looking at the balls and I was just grabbing and chucking them because, like, you are better off just throwing 100 balls a minute <laughs> than you were trying to care. Well, and to your point about the fact that each Papa Shot game is different, sometimes the balls funnel out from your side into your own receptacle. Other times, it's a communal receptacle and then you have oh, to fight the for worst. the balls. Oh, and that's a whole thing, worst. too. The other thing that's fun about it is that, uh, you know, maybe you don't have friends or maybe you don't have friends that night. <laughs> and you want to just go compete with yourself, also an option mm -hmm. because you get to see what your score is. You're competing with yourself. You're competing with whatever the high score is. And man, if you get the high score at an arcade that people have been playing at for years, oh, what's better than that? It's so good. It's an unrivaled feeling. Now, my friend James, who injured himself uh, doing a drunk contest, he has a Papa Shot in his basement that is legit. <sighs> uh, his wife, who is awesome, I'm pretty sure she bought this for him. Or if she, if she didn't buy it for him, she at least tolerates it, which is equally as important. Which is also awesome, yes. But it's one of the ones that like, there's two sides and it funnels down into each side. And we just mess around there. Like I've been over there where I played against myself, lefty versus righty, to just shoot <laughs> with two hands simultaneously on each side of it. It's a great time. That's great. It's a wonderful experience. So for my third and final pick, I have gone with something that is a bit more obscure, but it's something that's very near and dear to my heart. and was very important for me in the year 2006. It is playing NBA 2K, but specifically the mode that me and my high school friends called Deke Challenge. So it was a Dikembe Mutombo challenge where you would take the Houston Rockets and you would make Dikembe Mutombo the starting point guard. And the rules were you were only allowed to shoot three pointers <laughs> with Dikembe Mutombo nothing else and for reference Dikembe Mutombo not very good at three-point shooting we just pull up uh Dikembe Mutombo's stats uh on three-point shooting for his career I'm not gonna think that they are very good if I were gonna explain this in meme form I would pose the question is Dikembe Mutombo good at shooting threes and then I would cut to a gif of him wagging his finger no <laughs> So in Dikembe Mutombo's career he shot two three-pointers and he missed both of them no 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 <laughs> Dikembe Mutombo played 1,196 games of basketball and shot two three-pointers. So that kind of puts it into perspective. Oh my gosh. So not necessarily the best. So what made this mode so fun is that it basically turned NBA 2K into FIFA because you would play a full game of it and the final score would be 9 to 12, <laughs> 15 to 18. It would be so low scoring. And then we did have particular stipulations where 
If Dikembe Mutombo was fouled on the shot, he was allowed to shoot the free throws. Now, Dikembe Mutombo is still also very bad at free throws, so those are not a given by any means. The other thing was, if you happen to score by anyone else, or if your Dikembe Mutombo shot was actually a two-pointer, like your foot was on the line, the penalty is that the other player was able to get a free dunk with Dikembe Mutombo, which then made him stop being ice cold. Like, NBA 2K has a thing where if you miss a bunch of shots in a row, you're cold, so you're even worse than you're already <laughs> Dikembe Mutombo shooting three-pointers. Yeah. So getting that free dunk could be huge. It was just such a fun thing because there was almost no skill involved and it was just every shot just, oh, and then it was, ah, just loved doing that in NBA 2K7 with my my buddies in high school. That does sound like a lot of fun. I highly recommend it to anyone. It's a fun, silly, ridiculous time. And then the announcers built into the game just get so upset with you. So upset. Oh, what decision. a terrible shot. What is he doing? That is way outside of his range. Oh my God. God, like they are offended. Right, and also since it's 2007, you hear like the same three angry announcer comments. Yep, yep, you know yep, what yep. I mean? Like yes. they only yeah, have so many <laughs> things that they say. <laughs> yes, I'm sure it would be better now with MB2K21 or whatever, but still. <laughs> yeah. All right, so with my third and final pick, I am going to go with a video game like you did. I'm going to mm. go, however, with NBA Jam. Perfect. Now, perfect, for me, perfect, perfect. it is the video game, which I know would offend our buddy slash former guest, Rayan Ali, world-renowned NBA Jam aficionado, who I think is probably most passionate about the arcade game. But my sister and I were not the kind of kids who would go to an arcade or like get a bunch of quarters to keep ourselves occupied on vacation. Like it just wasn't part of our world. So I didn't really, I'm sure I would have loved it, but like I just didn't grow up going to arcades. It wasn't even until years after Super Nintendo came out that we were even allowed to get that system. And I think we like mm -hmm. pooled our money and bought one or something like that. But NBA Jam, I really think it might be the best basketball video game ever. And I, yes. it's kind of hard to compare to NBA 2K. But what's fun about NBA Jam is the sheer absurdity of it. Yes, There's yes, very yes. little about it that resembles actual basketball. And that was kind of the appeal. Like you don't watch cartoons to see those cartoons live in the same reality that we do. And video games are the same. Like why not let people jump a hundred feet in the air and literally catch fire when they're playing well? You know what I mean? <laughs> like it was just so unbelievably fun. Yeah, it's very fun, and we talked about this at length in the NBA Jam book episode that we did. It's a universal game that you don't necessarily have to be very skilled, and that's what makes it good versus an NBA 2K is like, yeah, you can pick up and play NBA 2K with someone, but if you're someone like me who plays it a whole lot and you're playing against someone that hasn't really played that much, it's not fun because I just win by 40 points or something, and it's right. more fun with NBA Jam because... There's three buttons. And even if you're bad, it's not like that. Yeah, there's skill involved, but like you can still hold your own if you don't really know what you're doing. Yeah, and totally. Kelly and I can play against the computer. And even though she's not as skilled in the game as I am, like she can focus on particular things. We always play Stockton and Malone, but it's Carl Malone's brother, Carl with a C, because real life Carl Malone is a terrible person. <laughs> uh, and she just is focused on blocking people's shots and dunking and getting my John Stockton three-point rebounds and thrives in that role. And it's great. And it works out and it's synergistic and it's a good pick up and play game and anyone can play it. And it's fun. She's, she's a real glue gal. Yeah, pretty much. Like, and, and every now and then, you know, she'll accidentally shoot a three-pointer with Carl Malone and sometimes it goes in and that's the fun of NBA Jam is that it's not so realistic. I mean, better him than Matumbo. Yeah, yeah, you know? So it's, it's a good time. I'm glad it made it into this three-on-three. -three. I will never turn down the opportunity to play it. I don't really miss going to bars that much with COVID. I miss going to Barcade specifically oh, yeah. to play NBA Jam. Yeah. Well, hopefully uh, hopefully in about six months, we'll go back to Barcade with some Lysol wipes and uh, mm -hmm. all hopped up on the vaccine and we'll have a good time. <laughs>
it'll be absolutely fantastic. Well, this was a fun little three-on-three draft. I, I'm glad we got to do it. And there were many things left on the cutting room floor. So check out the five-on-five on Patreon. I'll probably talk about horse and pool basketball for my two picks. Uh, sorry we didn't get to pick horse, but like, you know, it's just there's other things more fun. Horse is a great name for the show, but uh, given the opportunity, I think I'd rather do some other things. I would agree. Thanks for listening to this episode of Horse Horse, hosted by Mike Schubert and Adam Mamawala. Our editor is Misha Stanton. The music is by Bettina Campamanas. The art is by Allison Wakeman. The social media is by Mike Schubert. And our website is by Kelly Schubert. Thank you to our producer-level patrons, Polly Bird, Kendra Hadley, Adam Hartwick, Salvatore Testa, Trust the Process, Catherine Lee, Siobhan Elsbury, Shooby Dooby Doo, Godzilla Got Busy, Steph Curry for three. Bang! He sells seashells, Laurent James, Matt Barger, NBA legend Robert Sacri, No Jazz, No Pizza, Eileen Gazesh, Avatar Kiyoshi, and Don't Go Chasing Taco Falls. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Horse Hoops and on Twitter at Horse underscore Hoops because Alfred Payton ran Horse underscore Hoops and he refused to tweet at RJ Barrett. Man, that might be the best one yet. Check out our <laughs> website, horsehoops.com for pictures of Steph Curry's awesome cornrows and much, much more. And if you want some bonus content, Adam and I turning the three on threes into five on fives, we've been posting stuff. We've been actually getting on and taking care of the backlog. So there's been a bunch of stuff posted over the course of December. Check all of that out at patreon.com slash horse hoops. And thanks to multitude for having us as a part of the collective. There's a whole bunch of digital merch you can get with Multitude, horse included. We've got digital bundles up there where you can get wallpapers. We're going to be putting up new digital bundles in the future. All of that stuff lives at multitude.production slash merch. And if you're listening to this and you forgot to get someone a Christmas gift and you need something immediately, you can get digital merch immediately. That sounds great. It is great. And as we round out every episode, we're going to put our hands in the middle and say something on the count of three. You know what? By the time people are going to be listening to this, 2020 will be over. So you know what? Let's Whoa. throw in a let's throw in a little happy new year. Happy New Year. I like that. Yeah, let's do that. So on the count of three, happy new year. One, two, three. Happy, happy New, new year. year! I hope people realize though that 2021 is not gonna be magically better. It's gonna be also bad. No, and also that we're recording this on December 24th, and we've almost certainly cursed the last week of this year even further. It's fine. I mean, it's gonna be bad. Like it, it, 2021 is not gonna be this magical, like, well, that one bad year was over. <laughs> Duh. Like it's Get, get ready, everyone, because 2020 might look great in hindsight. Oh, jeez. <laughs> but Yay, anyway, positivity. having said that, Happy New Year. Yeah, and basketball's back. Things are good. Oh, man. <laughs>